Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you all are doing well so far. Uh, man, I feel like it's been a little bit, but um, it's been two weeks. Harry took over last week and uh, man, I've missed you guys. So uh, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, we are going to be jumping into Judges chapter four, Judges chapter four. So if you're not there, go ahead and get there. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, a, a fun story. And uh, I mean, there's there. I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to get past the first half um, after reading this because there's so much in here uh, when you really start peeling back the onion. But uh, let's get into it. Let's pray and then let's uh, hear what God has for us this morning. So, Lord, we just uh, we come to you this morning. We uh, we just open our hearts and our minds to you right now. We um, we open up uh ourselves to your word. Uh, Lord, we just pray that um, your Holy Spirit just comes and fills us up this morning with exactly what we need to hear, with exactly what we need to know, exactly what we need to learn from, Lord. Uh, May we just uh, grow stronger and deeper with you today uh, through your word, uh, through fellowship on here, through um, just what you have done uh, in our lives. May you even point out things that you've done in our lives through this story to remind us of your faithfulness and goodness. Lord, we love you. Lord, I surrender myself to you, um, that this be your word and not my own. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on. All right, let's get that stretch in. And if you got any coffee or tea or whatever you drink in the morning, get some of that and let's jump into it. So uh, again, Judges chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT, um, but there's one area I want to point out as um, one of the things I always like to say is like, don't don't be constricted to one version of the English Bible. Right. I really love looking across different versions. And so uh, verse six and seven, I really want to point that one out uh, as we read through here to uh, to compare that one to other versions as well. Um, and really see kind of how that um, comes out. Anyway, let's jump into it. Verse one, uh, after uh, Ada's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord the Lord uh, turned them over to King uh, Jabin of Hazar, a Canaanite king. The commander of this army was Sisera, who lived in uh, Horasetha, uh, <clears throat> Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 4, Deborah, the wife of uh, Lepidoth, was a prophet uh, who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel. 
in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for uh, Barak, son of uh, Abinam, who lived in Kadesh, in the land of Nephtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Nephtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to get it in Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of uh, Zebulon and Nephtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber, uh, a Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, uh, Hobaba, <clears throat> had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zimmerin uh, near Kadesh. When Sisera told that Barak, son of uh, Abinam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Hesherath uh, to Kishon River. Then Deborah went to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera helped <clears throat> Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harashath, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of uh, Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Because Heber's family was on uh, friendly terms with King Jabin of Hizra, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water. He said, I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks if you were there, uh, if ask you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Cicero uh, fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, come, I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera laying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king, and from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him.
the word of the Lord. All right, man, there is a lot in this story. Um, some, if this is the first time you're reading Judges 4, it is uh, a little bit of a twist in there that we probably did not see happening um, with really where it says Deborah was telling Barak, hey, the victory of this will come at the hands of a woman. Automatically, we kind of think if you're if this is the first time reading through here, it's going to happen from Deborah. Deborah is the one that's probably going to get uh, the victory here that God's choosing because God has a chosen hand over Deborah. Um, there's a lot in here that we can really dissect where it comes to men and women's roles and all of this. And there's so much to it. Uh, but there's so many other lessons that are in here that if we look past even just that, because honestly, this is a story that says, guess what? In the eyes of the Lord, we are all made in the image of God, both men and women. And guess what? Both can do this. Both can do what God has called them to do. Both Barak, a man, and Deborah, a woman. Some people will say that in this time, there was some kind of special circumstance uh, of why Deborah was chosen to be a judge uh, as a woman and not a man. But actually, and there's a lot of debate about this kind of area of judges, uh, but Barak was also, in some form or fashion, was also looked at as a judge. If you really look at it, you see this division of power of where uh, Deborah was primarily more of a governmental type rule uh, as a judge, and Barak was more your military leader uh, and enforcer in that way. And so they kind of both judged at the same time, uh, as some people would put it. And then some would say, well, this was a special time where uh, there was nobody fit to be a judge, so God had to use a woman which I tell you that I personally believe that's baloney because I don't see it anywhere in this Bible telling me that this was a special time that God, for some weird reason, could not have raised up a man if he wanted to. That this was something special that a woman had to do it uh, because of weird circumstance and that it's not the norm. I'm going to tell you right now, if God has a calling on your life, your gender doesn't matter on that calling. If anything, it'll probably be used in a specific and special way. But I'll tell you, God's calling is regardless of anything. And so uh, don't let anybody tell you uh, otherwise and that this was some special circumstance. But moving on from there, we see so many other examples of things that we should be learning. First of all, we see that right after, and this is a prominent uh, repeated story that we see throughout the time of Judges here. And actually, it's, if you read all of the Old Testament, uh, and even in our own lives, this is a constant theme of the human condition with God, that some leader, somebody that was guiding us in the right way, dies, falls away, falls short, goes away, isn't there anymore. Somehow that leadership that's helping connect us to God or moving in the right way goes away. And here it's death. Eda's death, the judge prior dies and is in the Israelites again. This is not the first time, right? Again, did evil in the Lord's sight. Again, did evil in the Lord's sight. Again, did evil. You will see that prominent theme throughout the book of Judges. And we really, again, it's a theme that we see, unfortunately, in the human condition with 
our relationship with the Lord is that we have some great leadership that leads us towards the Lord, leads us in the right direction, leads us in the path that we should be going. And then for something shakes us up, something marks or, or knocks us off the rails there by either that leader dies, goes away, or we lose faith in that person. And so then we lose faith in God and we go our own direction. We do things again in evil in the sight of the Lord. We go in our own way that we want to handle our own lives, thinking that we know what's best, when in all reality, we don't know anything. We're made in the image of God. We are not God. And I think some people, we probably all have a name in our head uh, of somebody that can that we need to tell that to. You're not God. You're made by God. And so you need to be following your maker. You need to be sitting down and realizing, what did my maker make me for? And that needs to be your direction. Not what you want to do, not what your personal uh, self-made image is. Because in reality, the image that we all bear is the one that God made on us. That's where we need to be pointing. But we see here, again, it's this, we have to die to ourselves, but they don't do it. They actually fall more in love with themselves, and they, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin. Hey, just because you're following the Lord, just because you self-proclaimed Christian, just because you raised your hand one time in service and said, I'm saying that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that's great. But it does not mean that your own consequences, that your own life, that what you do in life is not going to come back on you at some point. It's a constant relationship. Think about your own relationships with other people. If all of a sudden you just start stop communicating, you just I'm done. I'm not calling you anymore. I'm not hanging out with you anymore. How does that relationship go? It doesn't continue to grow. It actually fades. We see this time and time again in even our own human ones, right? And so how is that any different than God? If we say, I'm not going to read your word anymore. I'm not going to spend time with you anymore. I'm not going to spend time in your church, in your house. I'm not going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to just do my own thing. Guess what? Your own thing is going to lead you to your own thing. And right here, their own thing led them right into being owned and ruled by King Jabin. The Lord just let them go because at first they let the Lord go. Notice that the pattern here is not God leaving first. God does not leave first. We are the ones that step away. We are the ones that abandon God. God is always there. God's watching, and so therefore, he leads them into there. And so for 20 years, 20 years, they are oppressed, ruthlessly oppressed uh, for 20 years. After, this is, this is insane, because it ain't going to take me 20 minutes after ruthlessly being oppressed somehow by somebody else to be crying out for the Lord. But it took them 20 years and it says, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. It took them 20 years to realize, I need to come back to God. 
it took them as a group 20 years to go, you know what? This is not my best. This is not what God had for me. This is not what God has for all of us. Why are we doing this? 20 years later, think of like 20 years span of your life. Some of you probably listening to this right now have only lived for 20 years. But some of us can think of a 20-year time span where either it was up, it was down, or it was all in between. 20 years of going through this and then finally realizing, I need need to get back with the Lord. I need to come back to him. Lord, we're crying out for help for you. So we see that Deborah is a a prophetess and judging here. Uh, She has her own palm tree, which is uh, quite nice. Uh, She gets named her own palm tree, and she gets to be judged there. Um, So to anybody else, they don't have their own palm tree. (laughs) So, And then there she is. Now, here's where it was. I was saying, um, verse 6, she calls Barak, right? And so here at the beginning where she proclaims what God is saying, in the NLT says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. Now, if you look at some other translations, New King James, ESV, CSB, the King James Version, and the NASB, uh, just to name a handful um, quality translations, uh, they say this in a way um, that's more of, hey, you already know this. Why are you not paying attention? He's so uh, let me read you out of the uh, New King James. Uh, she says she called uh, she sent and called for Barak, the son of uh, Abana from Kiddush and Nephtalah, and said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor and yada, yada. It's this, hey, you already know this. God's already put this word on you, but you haven't done a lick about it. You haven't done a lick about it. Now, I'm going to tell you right here, if the Lord has called you to do something, the Lord has put something on your heart, and you haven't made steps towards that, if you haven't started making steps towards that, May this be your sign right now. Start following what God is leading you to. It doesn't mean that if he's given you a grand vision for something, it's not saying you're going to accomplish that today, but you need to start making steps towards that today. Whatever God is leading on your life, if you could be scared out of your mind, you could be saying, I'm too old for this or I'm too young and I don't know enough, that's okay. Make steps towards it. No one is too old until they're not breathing. And nobody is too young because you have so much time to learn and keep moving forward. It doesn't matter your position in life. It does not matter. If he's got a call on you to do something, go do it. Start making steps. Start making progress towards that. 
Don't wait for anything else. Do something. Sitting back when you know God has a calling for you to do something. It may not even, it may even be like God's calling you to stop doing something. God's calling you to tell something to somebody. It could, whatever it is, start making steps towards that. Start that movement now. Don't wait until somebody has to call you out. Where God's just like, look, I've been waiting for you to do this for a while now. And you haven't moved on it. And now I have to, I have to call you out. I'm going to use Deborah in your life to call you out and get you moving. And this, this shows where he's actually hesitant of it, right? We go into verse eight, Barak tells her, I will go fine. I'll do this fine. Okay. Uh, but you're going to go with me. You, you have to come. I, there's this, he has some kind of nerves, this fear, this level of not fully trusting what God is asking him to do. There's this level of, he's just, I, I need, I need some other kind of help. Ah, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for people to come with you and do whatever or help guide you and lead you. And God will use all of that. But don't be hesitant to make the move. Go proudly into what God is calling you to do and make that move now. You see, and so she's like, very well. This is where part of I wish the Bible came with tone of voice, because I would love to hear Deborah's tone of voice. Uh, in this conversation right here, um, I would love to hear. There's so many conversations where, uh, like, even Jesus was frustrated with the disciples. When I would love to hear the tone of voice uh, of Jesus in there. I would love to hear the tone of voice of Deborah right here in this, like, very well. I don't think that this was like, oh, very well, like, not a problem. I feel, I feel like this was like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Like, she's just like frustrated. Like, why aren't you? First of all, you knew this already. You haven't done a lick of anything about it. I now have to call you out. And then on top of it, you're you're asking me, a woman, to have to come with you to do this? Bro, I'm about to smack you across the head. But she says very well. (laughs) She replied, I will go with you. But you will receive no honor in this venture for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So we see that here, this is where we automatically assume, if they're new to the story, that this is where, oh, Deborah's going to get the victory. Because she's the one finally like, I'm calling you out. I'll go. Of course, it's going to be Deborah. With, oh, yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. It's not. <laughs> right. But that's where, this is where also God works in mysterious ways. Oftentimes we think that. Uh, the fulfillment of what God is going to do has to come and is going to come in a very particular way where in all reality, it just says by the hands of a woman, how many women are out there? His options are still endless. But we narrow automatically our thoughts go straight to, well, it's about Deborah. It's going to be Deborah that does it. This is exactly why the Pharisees did not see that Jesus was the Messiah. Because they had such a, their own mental vision 
for what they thought God was going to do and how he was going to do it. They came up with their own story. Nowhere in there does it say that Jesus is supposed to rid out Rome. When the prophecies of Jesus himself were written about uh, getting rid of the oppressor and everything was so vague. They just applied it to Rome. They applied it to whoever the enemy was at this time, that if the Messiah came now, it'll be towards Rome. If the Messiah came, then it would be towards Alexander the Great. If the Messiah came, then it would be Babylon. It, it didn't matter. It just whoever they thought immediately their oppressor was. But as the Bible says, we battle not against flesh and blood. That We got to understand who our real enemy is. And so God works in so much grander and bigger ways to fight this battle every day that we fight every day. And it's not against. So if you like here, they just can't see it. They're like, oh, this is going to be Deborah. Probably this is what we do. We're thinking it's going to be Deborah as we're reading through it. That's what uh, the Pharisees did. And so they could not see that Jesus was the Messiah. They were so locked into their own mental image of what was supposed to happen. On top of the fact that they didn't want to lose power and they didn't want to lose their uh, their standing in society and, and have to bow down actually to anybody. So, but here we can continue on that. We just see this going on that Deborah just joins up with Barack and they're like, all right, let's go. Let's go handle this. They go get their 10,000 warriors. And Deborah also went with him fulfilling her. Yes. May your yes be a yes. And your no be a no. Right. So she continues on. Now it jumps out and this is where this kind of line goes in and then uh, it fades out until it comes back up again, where now, Heber, the Canaanite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, uh, Hobab. All right. Okay. Moses' brother-in-law. Remember, Moses was married to um, <clears throat> a daughter of uh, Jethro, the priest of the Midianites, right? Midianites are uh, a descendant of Abraham through Abraham's second wife, uh, Keturah. All right, we see this in Genesis 25, 1 through 4, um, that Moses had a second wife, Keturah, and it has all of her sons uh, and, and or all of her children, actually. And uh, one of them is Midian. And then that's one of the tribes then is the Midianites there that Jethro was the priest of at the time when Moses married uh, into the family there. And so through that side of uh, the family, we see the brother-in-law here. Now, the you know, they are followers of the Lord. They are sons of Abraham still, right? And they believe in the one true God. But they're trying to play, if you will, they're trying to play like this is uh, Sweden. We just want to be neutral. We'll make friends with everybody else. We'll maintain our religion. We'll maintain our uh, relationship with God. We'll do what we want to do, but we'll be friends with you and just make peace and just kind of live quietly. We we don't want no beef over here. We're just, okay. And that's kind of the state that Heber, uh, uh, the Kenai is. And so it just kind of 
hey, I'm just going to leave that there with you. Uh, he moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of uh, Zenium <clears throat> near Kadesh. All right, so he's in the area. When Cicero was told uh, that Barak, son of Abraham, go up to the mile. All right, so they go into it. They get into the fight. So it's like weird. That was the weird nugget. Why was that just thrown in there uh, as we read on? Um, interesting little side note. But then it's like the story catches back into that. And that's where we see um, where <clears throat> Cicero, Cicero lost all of his army. He jumps off the uh, chariot, escapes on foot, and everybody in his army is dead. Here's something we should all look at. This is where we, as a military-minded, human-minded, worldly-minded, would say, we won. So what about Sisera? Ain't no general if he ain't got an army to general, right? you just a dude with nobody following you. you a dude in hiding. Who are you leading? Nothing. So I won. Right. We just destroyed your whole army. We would think right here, this would be it. A victory done. We're good. We accomplished what God has for us. Mm -mm. Some of us are too content with just winning the battle instead of truly killing the enemy in our life. Some of us are too content at a certain point of saying, hey, this is it. I, I've, I've claimed victory, but we didn't fully kill the problem in our life. We didn't go after the full head of the snake. We didn't go after the full root of the problem. We just, we killed, oh, I got rid of all of this. I'm good to go. I didn't kill the root of the problem yet. So this is why God is even continuing on with this. Like, I'm going to start with the full killing of the root of the problem here. And I need to get rid of this military general because, yes, he ain't got an army anymore. But how long does it take to raise up another army right behind him? You still have the root of the problem is this guy. God knows it, but we too often would not see it that way. We like, when we destroyed the military, we claim victory. We're good to go. No, get rid of the root of the problem. So it says, meanwhile, Cicero ran to the tent of jail, the wife of Heber. <clears throat> Wait a minute. You went into uh, uh, jail's tent, but she's married. So how did Heber not know of that? Because they have separate tents. Back then, uh, it was quite customary and normal for men and women, even though married, to still have their own separate tent. And then when need be, they would just visit each other's tent. But <laughs> uh, that it's quite normal for them to have their own tent in this. Because um, Heber's family was friendly terms with King Jabin of uh, Hazor, right? So we see that because they played Switzerland, because they played in that neutral zone as much as they could, uh, God was able to use them. Now, there's a lot of other, some people say, well, we should never do that. We need to pick a side. You can't be in the middle. Look, God did a miraculous thing here. There's many other things here, but God was able to use this circumstance 
to prove a point that we got to kill the root of the problem. And that though ultimately they tried to play happy with everybody, at the end of the day, this family threw JL here. She says, my ultimate allegiance is to the Lord. Now, we don't hear of JL saying, well, I heard from the Lord to get rid of him. I, the Lord told me to, you know, put a stake in the ground through his temple and all this other kind of stuff. And like, we don't hear JL's side of the story of how the Lord spoke to her to do this. But we see just through action that she was ultimately, at the end of the day, loyal to the Lord over any other thing in the in her life. I was raised right to understand that we in this house, we in this tent, we in this tribe are loyal to the Lord. And so however it happened, homegirl got a stake and a hammer and nailed him down. And there we go. We see it wasn't Deborah at all. Deborah isn't even on the scene. It just, JL just comes out and goes, oh, this is where even Sisera thought he was sneaky by going into a woman's tent because he knew, oh, they wouldn't look for me there. It's not even customary for me to be in a woman's tent. I would have normally... In our own thought, I would have sought asylum in another man's tent. But no, he was trying to be sneaky. <laughs> our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. He's so much bigger. He's so much grander. He he has, God has so much more in, in mind of how to accomplish his will. We want to pigeonhole it into a way that we would think it would happen. But man, what a twist in this story of seeing how no matter what the circumstances, God can make good and also make his will happen even when we don't see a way. And so jail took, <laughs> took him out. We see ultimately that in this main part of the story is just who are you following? Who are you following? We see so many issues throughout here of who are you following? Barack, kind of not really sure about the word of the Lord over him of what to go and do that he has even asked to ask Deborah to come join him. Um, he, he finally doesn't even get to do the final kill because there just seems to be such hesitancy in his ability to follow the Lord. He finally has to get called out to go do it. He goes and does it. Uh, but the Lord's like, you're not going to get the final victory here. I want you to understand that I am the Lord and this is how I'm going to handle this. That we don't get victory from our own ways. We don't get victory from our own hands. We don't get victory from our own clever schemes and thoughts. We get victory because it's already the victory of the Lord. The Lord already has victory in our lives. And are we going to operate from that victory? Or are we going to try and keep seeking out victory our own way? 
ultimately here, let's just keep pressing into the Lord. Let's just keep pressing into his ways for our lives. Let's keep pressing into how we should go so that this theme does not happen to us, that again, we do evil in the sight of the Lord. May that not be our theme. May that not be our way. May that not be how our lives go from here on out. May we just follow what he has to do, what he has for us to do, and trust in him, and know that we are operating from a place of victory, not for it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this chapter today. Lord, thank you for just um, just pressing in our hearts and our lives, Lord. May we just Understand that your ways are higher and better uh, than anything that we can dream or imagine. That your word will come true, but it doesn't have to come true the way that we prescribe it or the way that we think it's going to happen. That your ways will come true uh, because of your ways, not our own. That you don't operate off of our timeline. You don't operate off of our agenda Lord, may we get onto your agenda. May we get onto your page. May we just be following your footsteps, not trying to lead in front, but follow. Lord, we love you. We pray for you. We pray that your presence keeps leading us all. Lord, I pray a blessing over everybody um, listening to this right now. Continue to lead us all more into your will. We love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, come on, everyone. I hope you all have a great Thursday. Uh, We have another wonderful weekend coming up. We'll see you this Sunday for service and uh, have a great one. God bless and see you next time.